Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. On today's game day edition of the Michigan Man, we'll take a look back at Saturday's resounding win over UCF and look ahead to our week three opponent, the unbeaten Colorado Buffaloes. Our guest today is beat writer Mark Snyder from the Detroit Free Press. On Thursday's visitor edition, we'll be joined by the radio play-by-play voice of Colorado football, Mark Johnson, so I hope you'll be here for that. Our free show apps are available from the Google Play and iTunes stores. You can now tune us in on iHeartRadio. So there is no reason to miss a show. Wherever your busy week takes you, check out one of the apps and join us on Tuesdays for our game day edition, then on Thursdays for our visitors segment. Before we get to Mark Snyder, here's my view from Section 17. Our offense has put up over 100 points in two games, which is simply amazing. But after Saturday, a lot of fans were worried about the running game and the lack of push from the offensive line. Jim Harbaugh isn't worried, and neither should we be. UCF had eight guys in the box all day, and they dared us to throw. We obliged them and enjoyed great success. Wilton Spate was named Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week for his near-flawless performance. UCF never adjusted, never backed off putting eight guys in the box. So let's not jump overboard yet when it comes to worrying about the O-line. There is a ton of football to be played, and if we know one thing, this is it. Jim Harbaugh will get the running game going. Taking what the defense gives you and blowing teams out is not a bad thing. Let's enjoy the start to the season and get ready for what could be a good test this week, a visit from Colorado. They are unranked, but got some votes this week. And they look like a pretty decent football team and another good test for us. The new interactive sports app I've been telling you about is going to be out in early October. It is unlike anything we've ever seen. Gaming apps are available 24-7, but there is nothing that lets you interact with your favorite team while they are playing. This app is simply amazing. For more info or a sneak peek, email playitfirst at yahoo.com and include your cell number. That's playitfirst at yahoo.com. And don't forget to leave your cell number. 
This app is going to take gaming to another level. It's very cool, so check it out. Mark Snyder says it's too early to be concerned about the offensive line play. He thinks we should be more concerned about the big runs the defense gave up against UCF. He joins us next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the vSporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Joining us on our game day segment this week is Michigan beat writer Mark Snyder from the Detroit Free Press. Mark, great to have you back with us. Glad to be with you. Well, Mark, if we could, let's start with a look back at Saturday's 51-14 win against the UCF. It was only Wilton Spate's second start, but he looked very cool in the pocket, made very good decisions, and at the end of the day had great numbers. Your thoughts on Wilton's play? Yeah, I think that he's doing what they need him to do. You know, I think they had to change the thought. They hoped to be able to run the ball in that game, and it didn't work. They realized that pretty early, and they said, put it up. And Harbaugh was saying after the game that Spate was making some throws that are very difficult. The post route, you know, which is the one up the middle, basically, where the guy comes up. He says that's the hard one of the hardest throws in football for a quarterback. So that whole idea that Spate made those a couple times, one to Chestnut, and then obviously the one to Darbo, for the 45-yard touch, really showed something to Harbaugh about what Spate can do in a tough situation. Well, and after the game, we heard Coach Harbaugh, we heard Jake Butt, even Wilton Spate say they weren't worried at all about the uh, the running game. UCF put eight guys in the box, and you'd think maybe sometimes uh, teams adjust and say, okay, we're going to back out of that. But they stayed there, eight guys in that box the entire game. They never adjusted. So maybe we were too critical, or some fans were too critical of that offensive line, but they were outgunned all day. They were, but, you know, I mean, this is a veteran offensive line. And you'd think that there's – then why did Michigan keep running the ball? <laughs> you know, Michigan had 41 carries more than last week when they ran the ball so well. So I think that there's – obviously they were trying to still do something. So maybe there was some expectation on Michigan's side that there should have been a little bit more out of that offensive line. Do you think it's just too early to be concerned about that offensive line play right now, though? No, I, I just don't think they, they have any uh, any backs who can kind of create right now on their own either. I mean, the offensive line, I guess you said, the numbers are tough, so there's not a lot of hope, but, you know, they didn't break. I mean, Chris Evans had one run, I think it was 18 yards. Other than that, everything else, the only other runs of any significance were Devion Smith breaking four tackles each time. So I don't know. I think, I don't know if it's concern, but I think that it's something that you obviously need to pay attention to. Over on the defensive side, we gave up just 14 points, constantly pressured the quarterback, had three sacks, 10 tackles for loss forced two fumbles, but of course we were gassed for those 275 yards in the ground. Had some containment issues overrunning uh, the lanes against a very up-tempo offense. So there are some things uh, after week two for Coach Don Brown to uh, to clean up on that side of the ball. No doubt. I think that's definitely maybe the bigger thing is that it's another spread team. And last year, you know, they had those problems late in the year, 
Indiana and Ohio State, and those teams ran the ball for over 300 yards on them, and this is you know pretty close to that as well. And they say, well, it was four plays. That's what a lot of the defenders say. Well, four plays, it's not one play. You know, that's not one mistake. That's multiple times when they saw something they could do to you. Well, Rashawn Gary logged big minutes on Saturday uh, for the first time uh, in his Michigan career, and it doesn't take long for uh, anyone watching him to come to this conclusion. Uh, this kid can just flat-out play candy mark. Yeah, he's special. I mean, you, I guess as we all knew that. We've all seen that before. But what he did, and especially on that first sack, when he came off the edge, he was so fast, and he was just tearing around the corner. He shook the tackle and still made the play. I mean, he, he's able to – he's strong enough to – even at 18 years old, to be able to make a tackle while he's being engaged. So, you know, he's really, really unique. I mean, I think he's everything they advertise. And I think the thing about him that is impressing the Michigan people the most, you know, the team and the coaches and stuff, is that he wants to learn. He wants to hear more. And he wants to know what he did wrong to get better, which is a little bit of a scary sight when you're 18 years old and you're already this good. Well, special teams were huge uh, on Saturday, too, Mark. Blocked punts, a uh, blocked field goal, a big return from Jabril Peppers, three field goals from uh, Kenny Allen. And other than Kenny Allen's bobbled snap, probably the best day we've seen for special teams in a long time in the big house. Yeah, I think that I think the fact that they can get pressure on that team, I mean, that's not going to happen every week because there's going to be better athletes probably you know, protecting. But to see Terry Cannell and Chris Wormley get after all those punts and field goals really shows that that's an emphasis this year. You know, obviously, John Baxter was really talented. He had a history of getting teams to block kicks, but we didn't see too much of that last year. Uh, this year, and you could see when they would, they were able to set up the blocks and hit those early, and then when they started setting up the returns, you know, they got one for Peppers, too. So I think that, you know, they have, the special teams were something that people were maybe concerned about going into the year, and uh, because without Baxter being devoted to them, but they've been solid. Well, ramping up, on uh, Saturday, Mark, when you know when you look around at some of the other games we saw over the weekend, Clemson struggled with Troy. Uh, Oklahoma State lost to Central Michigan. Say what you would like to about the botched call, but Michigan did what it was expected to do against an inferior opponent. And you know that's not something we've seen them do very often in the last seven years. Yeah, and I think I think that's maybe the sign. That's the sign of Harbaugh there. I think is, is that they understand that against these small teams, they have to prepare for it like these lower level teams like they do the, the bigger teams. And that's how they're going to get that consistency that when the big games come around, they'll be in a decent position because they will have had this routine. And I think that's at Harbaugh. It's all about the consistency. And if every day is the same and you know, you don't, you're not warming up early in the year, you're ready to go early in the year. Then when it's, when the schedule gets harder, you, you're already in that mode. Weather's on our game day segment this week, Michigan beat writer, Mark Snyder from the Detroit free press, uh, Looking ahead to Saturday, Colorado comes in, Mark, uh, 2-0, beat Colorado State impressively in their opener, and then they just manhandled Idaho State on Saturday. Uh, Michigan, I see, opens as a 20-point favorite in this one, which is, you know, crazy. But this Colorado team looks like it's uh, going to be a good test for Michigan. I think they'll be able to score, and I think that that's something that Michigan, now, how does Michigan handle that? You know, Michigan's defense obviously showed some vulnerability this week, and I don't think that that's necessarily... I mean, they have a dual-threat quarterback. I don't think it's necessarily the same, you know, offense that, that Central Florida offered. But at the same time, there's, you know, if, if they get into a thing where they're trading some points, you know, let's see how Michigan does that. And Michigan's obviously been able to score, you know, both times, both weeks. But is, are they going to be able to, you know, trade points? Or are they going to, you know, bring out some? I think Michigan's probably 
held a lot back these last two weeks because they haven't had to either. So they're going to have to dip into that you know, playbook a little bit too. Yeah, for Colorado, the uh, straw that stirs the drink is a junior quarterback, Cephal Luau, uh, who might be the best quarterback Michigan fans uh, have, have never heard of. He holds 75 school records at CU, 68 of them outright. And when he's healthy, and he's coming back from a, a foot injury, but he's 100% right now, he looks like the kind of a quarterback that gives any defense problems. Yeah, because he can do everything. I think that's the thing that is concerning to Michigan because, uh, they, especially these first couple of weeks, they haven't seen any quarterbacks that you know had really were any threat to them. Um, and I think that that's as an individual, and I think that you know trying to contain him. This is where the defensive line, this elite defensive line, supposedly will come up because. You know, if they can keep it contained, they can, you know, get after him and hit him. That's kind of the ideal. You know, this is why you have a great defensive line for games like this. And as we've been saying, they're going to come in running an up-tempo offense. It's not going to be like UCF trying to run a play every eight seconds, but it it is a fast-paced offense with a new offensive uh, coordinator. So good teaching lesson last week against UCF with getting the guys to stay in their lanes because with this offense, with better athletes and really a top-tier quarterback, uh, you can really get burned uh, with these guys if you don't stay home. Well, a lot of it's discipline, too. I mean, you know, the big run, you know, we saw um, by the track star Adrian Willits or whatever mm-hmm. his name was from Central Florida, you know, Diamante Thomas, they had him. I mean, it was going to be a big game, but it was only going to be a 20, you know, 25-yard game. But Diamante Thomas took a bad angle, and the guy was gone. So, you know, those are fundamentals more than anything else. You know, guys have to know where to be you know, when a play breaks down or when it develops so that you can prevent the biggest play instead of, you know, keeping it within reason. And the good thing, those are all coachable, fixable items uh, that we saw uh, go wrong on Saturday. So we'll see uh, against a very good buff offense. On the defensive side for Colorado, they've been very good this year. Granted, it's hard to know how good they are given uh, the competition of the first few weeks. But they expect Michigan to come out and try to establish the run on them this week. So even if they stack the box, Michigan has to generate something on the ground, you would think so. This is, again, another big test for this offensive line. Yeah, I think that's what they want to do. And I think that if that doesn't work, then they're going to try to get them back off. You know, I'm surprised we didn't see a lot of screen passes and stuff like that and swing that, you know, stuff. They said that Chris Evans catch the ball out of back. I mean, Devion Smith obviously can't. I think they can, but he doesn't maybe have the burst or whatever. But it's those are things that maybe they're going to do to try to back them off. I think as they were going, they had so much success. They're up 31 to nothing. You know, you don't want to show too much of that stuff, you know, because of what's coming next. Mm-hmm. But I think that they're going to have to find something else in terms of running the ball. You know, I think a lot of that's on the offensive line. You know, obviously it's tough to block eight guys, but, you know, some of the times guys are coming free. Even look at the first series of the game when I think it was third down when that guy just blitzed right past Ben Braden, didn't even get touched. Yeah. You know, th- those are the things you got to at least put up some resistance. Well, it's hard to find fault with your team when you've put up over 100 points on offense the first two weeks, played pretty darn good defense. But again, we know this has been against overmatched opponents. But overall, Mark, the positives uh, so far in what we've seen have far outweighed the negatives. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. It's been great. I mean, they've, they've, like you said before, they manhandled two teams that they should manhandle, and that's something that is unusual. Other schools, that's a regular thing in the non-conference, and they play inferior opponents. Michigan hasn't done that, so maybe that's a a sign that, you know, they can play, they feel they can push themselves at a high level. And another thing about these two games too, especially this last one, you know, it's, it's tough when they're up 31 and nothing, you know, 20 minutes into the game, you know, you have to play, you know, another 40 or whatever it is. I mean, that's to try to sustain that, especially with all the starters having been in, that's a tough mindset. You know, when you're living on the edge, you know, you know, you have to do it right. When you have that arch, it's kind of tough to 
stay in it mentally a little bit. Well, Michigan is 3-1 and one against Colorado heading into Saturday overall in the series. And depending on whether you're a buff or a Wolverine, uh, that one loss was a, a classic, uh, a nightmare if you're a Michigan fan. Um, in 94, Cordell Stewart aired one out 70 yards in the last play of the game. If if some of the fans and listeners weren't old enough to, to remember it, I'm sure they've seen it on video, and they will this week hit Michael uh, Westbrook in the end zone to stun Michigan 27-26. Uh, to 26. That was one of the most incredible endings uh, to a game most of us have ever witnessed, Mark. Yeah, you'd think so. In the Michigan State of history, you know, I think there weren't many more than that. And then now <laughs> we have one last year. That may have been even more improbable. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, they've played since, so I guess it's not like the next time. You know, they came back. The Nick Machine went there in '96, and then they came in '97, and obviously that kicked off the '97 season. So Michigan fans have some decent memories about beating Colorado. But yeah, that one's going to sting for a while. I think that people who were there say it was the quietest they've ever heard that stadium, and uh, so that was a that's a statement, and I think that'll always be something between Michigan and Colorado, no matter when they play. I have to agree with that. Well, final thought, Mark. Uh, the head coach that sure. day for Colorado was former uh, Michigan assistant Bill McCartney, also a, a Riverview, Michigan native, went to the same high school as Lloyd Carr attended. We know he's ill, Great. and uh, he's going to be honored during the game by Michigan. He did a great job at Colorado getting that program back on the map. He was just a flat-out great coach, wasn't he? Fabulous, yeah. I mean, you saw when he was here, he was great in basketball and football. You know, I think coaching into Dearborn Divine Child, he had, he had a lot of different skills there. Um, and he, he just was, was a good coach. And you saw the documentary, you know, the ESPN did on him, I think one of those 30s for 30s about how his players and how he was so devoted to them. But he had to learn kind of on the, on the fly, too. You know, it was an evolving time in the 80s, and he, went to, he had to recruit from different areas. I mean, you know, to build a power at Colorado, even Big Eight, when you're going against Nebraska and Oklahoma and stuff, he had to, you know, go go find different places to recruit California and stuff like that. So Florida, um, but I think that, you know, it's, it, those guys are loyal to him. And I think there's a big outpouring of support for the way he stood up for them in a lot of situations that were, were on their campus. Uh, in terms of just Bill and the times that I've talked to him and interacted with him, you know, he's a really genuine guy. And obviously he got a lot of attention after his career for the promise keepers mm-hmm. and his role in that. But I think as a coach and yeah, he really, uh, who is unique in his eyes when you can become a hall of famer only coaching, you know, however many years, I think it was, I think coach maybe 10 years mm-hmm. something like that, you know, as a head coach, you know, it's pretty impressive. Well, fitting that he will be honored in the big house this Saturday is uh, Colorado, uh, a pretty darn good football team makes their way to uh, Ann Arbor. Here with us on our game day segment this week has been Michigan beat writer, Mark Snyder from the Detroit free press. Mark, always thankful to uh, have you on the show and look forward to another visit soon. Thanks so much for having me. Quick Hits is next as we wrap up our game day edition of The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Wolverine Quick Hits today, as we mentioned at the top of the show, 
Wilton Spate was named the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week for his performance on Saturday. At his Monday presser, Jim said the team came through Saturday's game in good shape. He said that everyone who played was back at practice on Monday. Jordan Lewis took part in practice, but is day-to-day. Jim said a decision on his availability will be made later in the week. Pretty much the same for Taco Charlton and his injured ankle, day-to-day. We know those ankle injuries can take some time, so we will just have to wait and see. Brian Monet was on crutches last week, so he is obviously out for a while. We'll have an injury update for you on Thursday's show. Thanks again to Mark Snyder from the Detroit Free Press for being our guest today. On Thursday's Visitor's Edition, we'll be joined by Colorado radio play-by-play voice Mark Johnson, so I hope you'll be with us for that. If you get the show from iTunes, please take a minute to comment or rate the program. My listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Give me a ring any time with your maize and blue thoughts. I would love to hear from you. You can also email me at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The new interactive sports app I've been telling you about is due out in early October. It is unlike anything we've ever seen. Gaming apps are around 24-7, but there is really nothing that lets you interact with your favorite team while they are playing. This app is simply amazing. For more info or a sneak peek, email playitfirst at yahoo.com and include your cell number. That's playitfirst at yahoo.com, and don't forget to leave your cell number. This app will take gaming to another level, so check it out. That will do it for today's Game Day Edition. Join me again on Thursday as we get to know Saturday's opponent a bit better. Our guest will be CU Radio play-by-play voice Mark Johnson. Until then, have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until Thursday, take care, and as always, go Blue! Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!